right, well, as Kyle mentioned at the beginning of the service, for the 14 of you who were here at the beginning of the service, um, you heard, congratulations, uh, you heard that next Sunday we are jumping into Advent, and Advent is the four-week period leading up to Christmas in which we prepare our hearts for Christmas. And so uh, Tim, our senior pastor, he's going to be up here the next couple of weeks leading us in our new series called Carols. Uh, but today we are, we are off series once again, and that means that we, we're not in the middle of something that's going to go on for a couple of weeks. And with Thursday being Thanksgiving, today we're going to talk a little bit about Thanksgiving. The creativity is just overflowing these days. So um, you'll just have to bear with that. But we're going to focus on Thanksgiving, but we're going to take a little bit different look at it. And we're going to jump into Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is a book in the Old Testament. We'll talk a little bit more about what Deuteronomy was all about a little bit later. But this comes from the 26th chapter. If you have your Bibles, you're welcome to follow along. It's also printed in your message notes, and it will be on the screen. Deuteronomy 26, verses 1 through 11. When you have entered the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it. Take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land the Lord your God is giving you, and put them in a basket. Then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name, and say to the priest in office at the time, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. The priest shall take the basket from your hands, and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. Then you shall declare before the Lord your God, My father was a wandering Aramean, and he went down into Egypt with a few people, and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, subjecting us to harsh labor. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, Lord, have given me. Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow before him. Then you and the Levites and the foreigners residing among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this word, and we thank you for the truth that's found in it. We pray over the course of the next 15 to 20 minutes, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts from this word, that you would open up our hearts to opportunities that are right there in front of us for how we can serve you better as we come to give thanks to you. In your name we pray, amen. Well, Thursday we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving Day, and uh, just a little quick American history lesson. Uh, most of you probably remember from elementary school the story you learned about Thanksgiving. It involved pilgrims and Indians. They're Native Americans now, but they were Indians when I was growing up. Um, that's probably really bad to say. Uh, anyways, but the pilgrims and the Native Americans back when Americans were first settling from Europe they gathered together, and at the end of a harvest, they celebrated with the fruit 
of that harvest. And so they, they came together and they celebrated and they gave thanks to God for the provision of the land that year. Well, fast forward a couple of hundred years and they had had several different Thanksgiving festivals pop up. And then Abraham Lincoln came along and in the middle of the Civil War, this is really interesting, in the middle of the Civil War, he issued a declaration to all of the land that there should be an annual day of thanksgiving. And this is part of his statement instituting the annual tradition. He says, The year that is drawing towards its close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies. To these bounties, which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come, others have been added, which are of so extraordinary a nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and soften even the heart, which is habitually insensible to the ever-watchful providence of Almighty God. Wow. And so that was the declaration saying there should be a day of thanks. And essentially what Abraham Lincoln was saying, he didn't actually write it, one of the guys in his cabinet did, but that's beside the point. What they were saying is that even in the midst of the Civil War, even in the midst of all the chaos that's going along, we can still see that God has blessed us with the land. God has blessed us with the way that our needs are being met. And so in recognition of that, even the hardest of hearts among us should take time to recognize what God has done for us and to offer thanks. And so that is how we got the annual tradition of Thanksgiving. And somewhere along the way, Turkey became involved and so did football. And we rejoice for these things. Amen. Now, within the theme of Thanksgiving, there is a sense of giving thanks for the provisions that we have been given. But our passage this morning brings out kind of a different part of Thanksgiving that sometimes we miss. And that is the idea of remembering our story. So in the midst of this story that's kind of an Old Testament Thanksgiving service, they remembered their story. Kind of in the middle of it, they've, they've brought their offering forward and then they declare amongst the people, here's our story. And they walk through the story of how this nation, as a people, they were descended from a guy who was pretty much a homeless, wandering guy. And they became a powerful nation and then they suffered great tragedy and mistreatment while they were in Egypt. But the Lord delivered them out of that and the Lord was leading them into a land. So there's this story that they retell as part of their Thanksgiving exercise. Now, here's the reality for us, and this is kind of the, the framing idea, is that all of us have a story. All of us have a story, and there's a reason we have the story that we have. And, and it, part of what I hope that we'll experience this morning is how, that God would speak to us about how our stories might could guide the way in which we live in the world we live in. Now, every, everyone has a story. Communities have a story. Churches have a story. Families have their own stories. Individuals have their own stories. And the ways that we pass them down are, are unique within the individual settings. For example, in churches, th this is what happens a lot of times. Somebody will, will come up beside you and they'll, they'll, put, they'll put their hand on your shoulder and that they know that you're young and they, that you, you don't know everything that's happened in the hundred plus years that this place has been around. And they'll say, do you know how this building got here? No? 
and then they tell you. And, and there are a lot of great stories within the lore of this particular church. They're, they're, one of the stories that gets told on a frequent basis is how in the late 70s and early 80s, Bibb County was growing in this direction in terms of population. And the church said, we've got to do something. Our church isn't big enough to accommodate more people coming in. And so the people who were in the church at the time, they, they pulled together their resources. Some of them had to take out individual loans to make it happen. But they did that so that they could expand the sanctuary. And then after they expanded the sanctuary, they added more buildings and eventually added this building. And it was all out of a heart of we want to make room for people to come and experience God at this place. And so that's part of the story of this place. And so when, when you have the privilege of being around somewhere like this for a while, you, you start to hear those stories and start to see how they're treasured within the family of this church and how they, they want to tell that story and pass it on. In, in families, there are certain traditions that are passed along. In my family, uh, the only real tradition I know of on Thanksgiving Day is that there will be squash casserole. And that, that's a must. I, I don't know where that originated, but I'm thankful for it, and I give thanks every Thanksgiving Day. And when it's my year to go to the in-laws, I mourn because there's no squash casserole on Thanksgiving Day. And uh, so pray for me this week. So, but there, there are different things. In my particular family, my, my grandmother, as I was growing up, my mom's mom would, would say to me, I, I was her only grandchild at the time, she would say, you know, it's the maternal grandmother's responsibility to teach you etiquette. Uh, and I, I was sitting there, you know, thinking to myself, how convenient that it's the maternal grandmother's responsibility since you're the one who wants to teach me. But outside I was saying, yes, ma'am, I would love to know which fork I use first and which fork I use last. I mean, this could be very helpful in life. But it, this idea of within the family, there are certain things that are passed along. And, and part of why she passed along that tradition of its, that responsibility is that's who taught her etiquette. And so there are different things within our communities, how we remember our story. One of my communities that I feel very privileged to be a part of is the guys I lived with in Athens um, in between college and moving back to Macon to take a job here. And we had this wonderful creation called the quote wall. And the quote wall was every time something just random off the wall happened and somebody said something, we would intentionally take that quote out of context, write it on a note card, and post it on the wall. And so we would have all these quotes of random things like, you can say whatever you want to say about me, but if you're going to talk about Bilo Neapolitan ice cream, we're going to have words. And, and things like that. And then there was a, a card on there. This is one of my favorites. Uh, I actually shared this in the traditional service a few weeks ago. That one of them said, how do you dress for Turkish night? And the reason that this is one of my favorite ones is because me and my friend had seen all these signs around the University of Georgia campus advertising Turkish night. And so we made plans to go to Turkish night. And we're like, wouldn't it be awesome to go to Turkish night? We had no idea what Turkish night was, but we were interested to go find out. And so we're getting ready to leave. And I, I just walked up into his room and I said, how do you dress for Turkish night? Neither of us had ever really thought about ever going to Turkish night, and so now we're going to Turkish night, and we, you know, didn't know how to dress. And so 
we, we just dressed like we normally would. We eventually went to Turkish night, walked by the door, realized we weren't dressed for Turkish night, and kept walking out the other door and went to Cracker Barrel instead, where we were appropriately dressed for the occasion. Uh, but whenever we saw that card, how do you dress for Turkish night, it reminded us of a story of a funny night in which we had an experience where we almost went to Turkish night. And we would retell the story whenever someone asked, what is this all about? Oh, that's about the time we almost went to Turkish night. There you go. And so there are different ways that communities remember their stories. There are different ways that we take in the experiences that we've had, and we use those experiences to guide our understanding of who we are as a people. Now, how do we remember our stories? How do individuals remember the stories of their lives, and what impact should those stories have on us as people? Well, looking at this story in Deuteronomy, it might shed a little bit of light on this for what it's supposed to be for us. And the question is, how does our story line up with that of God's people? Now, this takes place in Deuteronomy, as I mentioned earlier, Deuteronomy chapter 26. The, way, the best way to understand Deuteronomy is you have the first few books of the Bible. Most of us are familiar with Genesis, where there's creation and a lot of great stories about our, the ancient ancestors of Israel. But then you get into the Exodus, and that's where Moses is the star, and he leads the people out of the land of Egypt where they were enslaved. Well, Deuteronomy is kind of Moses' farewell sermon. The, the way it worked was Moses was not allowed to go into the promised land. He was not allowed to, to step foot in it um, due to some issues he'd had earlier in his life. And so God is not going to let the nation of Israel go into the land until Moses has died. And so essentially what Deuteronomy is, is it's Moses' farewell sermon, and they're basically just sitting around waiting for him to die so that they can go into the promised land. And, and so he, he's kind of going a long, long time, and he essentially sums up everything that had happened up until that point. And so in this particular passage, what he is saying is there's going to come a time when you have come into the land that the Lord your God has promised you, and this is what you're supposed to do when you get there. And so it says that they're supposed to come and respond to being in the land that the Lord has promised them by giving thanks. Verse 1 says this, When you have entered the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it, take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land the Lord your God is giving you and put them in a basket. Then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. Now the second thing that they say this comes up in verse 3, which was on the screen, is that you are to declare today to the Lord your God, I have come to the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors, swore to our ancestors to give us. And so they came into the land, they were to give thanks in the land, and then they were to declare, I have come into the land. They were supposed to say, I have come into the land. So it's kind of a little redundant going on here. When you've come into the land, offer thanks and say, I have come into the land. But they come into the land, and then the third part that they do, and this is the most important for us, I believe, 
is that they retell their story. And they don't sugarcoat it. It's really interesting the way that they tell this story. They tell the story and they say, my father was a wandering Aramean, and he went to Egypt, he became a great nation, but while he was there, he was mistreated. While he was there, he, he was oppressed. Things were not going well for our ancestors. But then the Lord heard our cry, and the Lord delivered us out of that place. And there's a tendency when we give thanks to only focus on the good things. But it's also the hard things that help shape us into being a people who can really give thanks. There's a guy by the name of uh, Henry Nowen who was a prominent uh, Christian author in the last century, and he was a Catholic priest. And he was working in a place where some people were being laid off, and uh, he, he, he knew about it, but he wasn't directly responsible. But all, all of these people who were being laid off, they, they really loved him and appreciated him. And they went up to him and, and said, well, we're, we're going to be leaving now. Uh, I guess we'll just give thanks for the good times and, you know, forget about the hard times. And he said, no, no, that's not what you do. You've got to celebrate it all. You've got to celebrate the good times and the bad times because it's in the bad times that sometimes you're shaped the most. And so this idea of remembering the hard times is actually extremely important in the life cycle of, of the nation of Israel and what they were experiencing. And it, it's important to highlight that remembrance was essential for them. Uh, most people don't realize this, but there, there are actually multiple ways to number the Ten Commandments. They're actually called the Ten Words uh, in Hebrew. They're not actually called the Ten Commandments. That's our own creation of it. But the Ten Commandments are numbered different ways according to which tradition you fall under. And in the Jewish numbering system, the first commandment, the first word, is not you should have no other gods before you. The first word is the, what we consider to be the preamble of the Ten Commandments, which says in Exodus 20, verse 1, I, the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And, and the rabbis over the years have interpreted that to mean that the first commandment, the first thing that you do is you remember. You remember your story. You remember your salvation. And so there's this essential ingredient that we remember. But there's also another reason that we remember, and that's because we have a story, and there's a reason for our story. At the conclusion of this liturgy, there is a part that at first doesn't really seem like it fits other than it's talking about an offering also. In verse 12 and 13, it says, When you have finished paying all the tithe of your produce in the third year, which is the year of the tithe, giving it to the Levites, the aliens, the orphans, and the widows, so that they may eat their fill within your towns, then, you'll, you, then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the sacred portion from the house, and I have given it to the Levites, the resident aliens, the orphans, and the widows, in accordance with your entire commandment, that you commanded me. I have neither transgressed nor forgotten any of your commandments. And this is what it's essentially saying. In the midst of our giving thanks when we have come into the land, in the midst 
of giving thanks, we have remembered our story. We've celebrated our story. But we've also provided for those who cannot provide for themselves. We've provided for those who are in need. We've provided for the orphans, the widows, the foreigners, the people who otherwise would not be able to experience provision. Now, why is this important? The reason this is important is because they've just remembered their story in which there was a time that they were the ones in need. There was a time when they were the ones who were mistreated. They were the ones without rights. There was a time when they were the ones who did not have a home. A wandering Aramean was my father. And so this idea of their story penetrates their understanding of who they are as a people. And what they're called to do is not forget their story because their story guides how they care for others. And so the reality for us is we all have our own stories. We all have different things we've gone through. We all have ups. We all have downs. And those things that have happened in our lives have helped shape us to a point that we can serve out of that story. So when we have entered the land, when we have experienced blessing, when we have experienced the fruitfulness that's found in God, we still have an opportunity to respond when we've come to that place. And we respond by giving thanks, by remembering our story and where we've come, and looking for ways to help those who might be in the same situation that we once were. So what does this look like? When I worked in Athens, I worked with a lady who, when she was much younger, found herself in an abusive relationship. And in this relationship, uh, over time, she became pregnant and just horrified by the idea, scared, afraid, she decided to have an abortion. And as she went and had the abortion, she, she immediately regretted it and then spent the next few years of her life just confused and running from God. But then she, she found the Lord and, and she experienced salvation and she became the biggest advocate for life in response to that. And she would go and she would, she would talk to senators and congressmen, but also she would minister to girls in the same situation she found herself in and would counsel them and share with them about what God had done in her life and, and help counsel them in to making the right decision. One of the people in our congregation, uh, Randy Griffin, who was one of our ushers today, he uh, shared in a class I was in, a, I was teaching a few months ago, about 2005, things got really tough for him financially. And he didn't know what was going to happen, if he was going to lose everything, and he just realized that in the midst of that, he had to trust God and, and give it up to God. And as he, I asked him the other day if it was okay to share that this morning, he, he said, Anthony... I have had so many opportunities to witness to people because of what I went through. People who have found themselves in the exact same situation, I've had the opportunity to witness to them and to share my faith with them because I've gone through it. I've experienced that. There was a guy I met one time at a homeless ministry. We were cooking breakfast, and uh, he 
shared with me that he too had been homeless and he had spent some time in prison and had gotten out and was trying to clean up his act. He, he was fortunate enough to have his own place by that point that he gave up every single weekend to come and serve in the homeless ministry. And I asked him, what, you know, why, why do you do this? Wouldn't you want to stay away from this past experience you had? He said, no, 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 no. I know that there's hope. I know that there's something on the other side. And so I'm here to serve the people who are in the same place that I was because I believe that there's something better for them. As a church, we celebrate a vision of offering hope through Jesus Christ at the crossroads. And we, we recognize that that sometimes means that we encounter people at the crossroads because geographically we're at a crossroads. But also we recognize that people come with all sorts of crossroads of their own. They come with all sorts of baggage in their life and they come with all sorts of experiences. And, and we have an opportunity to offer Christ to them. And some of you this morning feel like you're still on the journey and you're still trying to find your way into the promised land, whatever it is that God has for you. And you feel like you're all alone and you, you might even feel like you've been mistreated and that people are turning against you. And here, here's the reality that we, we learned from the story we read this morning is that God is with you in the hard times. God is with you in the trials. God is with you in all the difficulty that you will face. But some of you have been blessed. You have entered into the land, whether that's financial, whether that's through your family, whether that's through your, your work, whatever it might be, you've been blessed and you've entered in. And so the challenge for us in that place this morning is that we would come with grateful hearts, with hearts full of thanksgiving, and that we would remember our stories and we would let those stories guide how we live our lives and how we share with others. This morning, as we get ready to close, the band's going to come up in a couple minutes and lead us in a couple more songs. Um, you notice across the front of the altar, there is a bunch of paper, seasonally chosen colored paper. And there are also pens and markers up here as well. And what I would like to invite you to do is all of us may be on different parts of our journey, but all of us have a story, and there's a reason for our story. And so what I, I invite you to do, I would love it if everybody did this. I know not everybody will, but I would love it if everybody came and just wrote down, I was once out of hope, but God came through. And then you might write, down at the bottom, I want to use my life to help share that hope with others. Some of you might have grown up where you didn't have very much, and the Lord has blessed you in your adulthood through your career and through your resources. And so you might write, I didn't grow up with much, but God has blessed me with so much in my adult years. And then you might write down at the bottom, how can I use this to benefit others who are in the same situation I was in. Some of you might have gone through a trial, whether it was, it was financial, whether it was family-related, and that's part of your story. And you might want to write that down and say, this is how I can help others who are in that place 
And some of you might still be on the journey and you're struggling on the journey. And you might want to just write down, I have not entered the land yet, but I put my trust today in the God who promises to deliver me. And so as the band comes up, I invite you to come and I invite you to write as you will uh, along the altar. And if you feel led to uh, share your story, you can drop it in the basket that's on this altar table up here. Uh, If you don't want anyone to ever see your story again, you can fold it up and put it in your Bible and take it home with you. But I invite you at this time to to respond to what, what has God done in your life? Yes, we come and we give thanks, but what's the story behind our lives for how we got to this place? And how can we remember that? And how can God use that to bless others through us?